0: This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Last week, we kicked off a new message series called The Holy Spirit, and it is about the Holy Spirit. Um, So just very straightforward there. And last week, we, we started by talking about how the Holy Spirit is God. He is just as much as God the Father. God the Son is God the Holy Spirit, and that means uh, we need to listen to him. We need to surrender to his power and his presence in our life. The Holy Spirit is not some like uh, third rail member of the Trinity that's only for certain people or certain times, but he is for all of us all of the time. We saw the scriptures teach us that the Holy Spirit is Jesus' gift to us, and in the same way that we receive salvation, the same way that we receive his provision, vision, his deliverance, his healing, whatever it is we ask him for, so also we should receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then we saw the scriptures teach that the Holy Spirit is for you, for every single person from the day Jesus sent him on the day of Pentecost to today, we are all intended to have personal and powerful experiences of the Holy Spirit's presence. And so that was kind of our our, our foundation, our framework, uh, two promises To you, As we work through this uh, series on the Holy Spirit, one, we are going to anchor ourselves every single week in the scriptures. We're not going to preach personal experiences. We're not going to preach the opinions of what some think and others don't about the work of the Holy Spirit. We're just going to turn to the Bible every week and say, what do we learn about the Holy Spirit? And then the second promise, we're going to ask, what does that mean for us today? And so we'll we'll kind of continue down that path today. Before we do, though, I want to point out, if you're unaware... Basically, everything we do at Christian Chapel is the result of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. There is is nothing we do that's exempt. So if if you don't really have any frame of reference for experiencing the Holy Spirit, um, my hope today is to assure you, uh, you actually already have and you currently are. And so one of my my favorite parts, I've I've been on staff at Christian Chapel for 17 years. And one of my favorite um, activities is hearing the stories of people who've come to Christian Chapel. And because you're kind and you're you're generous and you're affirming, you will normally tell me or tell our staff members the things that you enjoy about Christian Chapel or the things that that we do or God has called us to do that resonate with some of the things that God has called you to do as well. And, And what I want you to understand today is all of that is the result of the work of the Holy Spirit in us and among us. And so, so when people come and they say, hey, you know what I love about Christian Chapel is I love the, that there's a global and a local emphasis. I love that we get to build churches in Burundi. I love that we support children's homes in Paraguay and Bangladesh. I love that we're part of planting churches among unreached people groups. I also love that we're engaged in our local community with children in foster care, with women experiencing crisis pregnancies and elementary school clubs and, and all of these different things. And when you identify with that, what you're identifying with is the work of the Holy Spirit in us that has compelled us to not just hear the words of the Great Commission, to go into all the world and make disciples, but the Holy Spirit actually comes and gives us the power and the ability to go and do these things. And so when you say, I love the outward facing features of Christian chapel, what you're saying is, I love the work of the Holy Spirit that compels us to go outwards. You know, a lot of times we'll hear too what, what we love about Christian chapels, we love chapel kids and we love chapel youth. We love those investments in the next generation. And 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 you, I mean, I hear it from parents, if you'll tell me at times like, hey, my, my preschooler comes home and they're telling me what they learned about Jesus. My my elementary schooler is experiencing and hearing God's voice for themselves. My middle schooler, my high schooler is starting to get a sense of direction of where God is leading them and guiding them. All of that is the gift and the work of the Holy Spirit among us, right? And and if you're a parent, you know that's the gift of the Holy Spirit because you're trying to teach your preschooler some things right now and not having as much success. Like they, they can't remember to pick their shoes up, but they're understanding somehow that Jesus died for their sins, right? Your, your junior hire can't remember a lot of things, but they're starting to discern maybe God has a purpose and a plan for their life. And then God has filled these chapel kids, leaders and chapel youth leaders with a passion to be part of what he's doing in the lives of teenagers and children. And so it's not that you enjoy the child care that Christian chapel provides, what you're enjoying, what your kids are identifying with, whether. Whether they can phrase it or not, is the work of the Holy Spirit in those classrooms, in those worship experiences, and in those activities and events that they're engaged in. We, we see it in so many areas. When you come to church on a Sunday morning and you say, man, I, I love when we worship together. Well, what you're experiencing is a, a unique presence of the Holy Spirit that is evident when God's people gather together in worship. It's not a, a concert, right? You, you've been to concerts, and, and in different concerts, you experience different things. And you might, you might feel a connection with others in certain concerts. There's times you go to concerts and you don't feel anything at all. There's times anybody ever been to a concert, you didn't actually understand anything that was said or sung the entire time? So my, my son is, uh, he's a senior and he's, he's going to Oklahoma state next year. They had homecoming was this weekend. So, uh, we were told by his coaches of, Hey, you need to go up and experience homecoming. So we went up and we experienced homecoming and, and, uh, they got those kids together and they said, Hey, you need to uh, come in to this, uh, this concert. So Angie and I were his ride. So we, we went to the concert as well. And I don't know if you've ever been to a a Waka Flocka flame concert. (laughs) That's his real name. Uh, but so, so there, were, there were some things in common with what we do on a Sunday morning. Uh, there was music. Someone thought it was too loud. Uh, someone was me, though, this time. Uh, and then uh, there were people there. Um, and then there, there, there were just some, some different things. There were some people who seemed engaged, but, but I can tell you with absolute certainty, uh, I felt no movement of the Holy Spirit, no connection with the other people who were there. In fact, I'm sure there were like, I saw photographers and, and my whole goal was like to stay out of the shot because I was a hundred percent, the old man sitting on a chair, looking at his phone while all these college kids are like jumping all around and having a blast and, and asking Angie, like, do you think it's almost over? How much longer are they going to go? Now, now when we come on a Sunday, What happens is it's more than music, it's more than lyrics, but time after time, what you have expressed to me and to our staff is you have come in a certain season, a certain situation with certain problems, and for some reason, a song that was written by someone we don't know and have never met, felt like it came right down into the middle of your life, spoke to the details of your situation. What happens in that space? It's the Holy Spirit working. And when God's people gather together in worship, it lifts our eyes up off of our problems onto his power, onto his presence. And we experience him together in these moments. When you say what I, what I love about Christian chapel is the worship, you're not saying I love the musicians or I love the singing. What you're saying is I love this mutual experience of the Holy Spirit. Right? Other times people will come to us and they'll say, hey, what, one of the things we appreciate about Christian chapel is we appreciate the preaching. Not me, but, but everyone who stands up here and preaches. Uh, Pastor Titus and chapel youth, Pastor Amy and chapel kids. Of, and the, the appreciation is, is normally along these lines of we appreciate that you guys will unapologetically just preach what the Bible says to us. And we'll just open it up and we'll say, here's what it says and what does this mean? Well, well what happens there? It's not that we are particularly or uniquely gifted or talented or have some ability to study and give just amazing lectures that captivate your attention, right? Because there are a lot of other things in life that I'm passionate about, and when I start talking about them, people fall asleep. Like, you should watch me give history lectures to my kids. It is not. There is no engagement. There is eye rolls. They call me names. It's really kind of offensive. But, but, but that doesn't happen. When we preach, you come, and you'll tell us at times of, it's as if you knew the exact details of my life. And, and I'll tell you, I don't. Your spouse, your parents, nobody emailed me and was like, hey, I've got some sermon topics for you. Some illustrations, if you promise not to use names, you know, no, nobody, nobody's doing that. What instead is happening is we're coming and saying, Lord, what do you want to say through the scriptures? And as we apply the truth of scriptures, the Holy Spirit is the one who's making that personal application in your life. I mean, those times when it feels like your heart is on fire and you can't believe God spoke so clearly To you, it's the Holy Spirit speaking through spirit inspired scriptures to let you know God sees you, He knows you, He loves you, and He has a plan for exactly what you're going through right now. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit at Christian Chapel, we're not talking about some far-off force that we don't experience. We are talking about the personhood of God, his power and presence that has infiltrated every single part of what we do as a church. Almost 50 years ago, Christian Chapel was born by the direction of the Holy Spirit. For nearly 50 years, we have been sustained by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And as we look into our future, we don't know exactly what it holds or where we'll go, but we know the Spirit will lead us and he will guide us. And he will help us to walk in step with the Father, to make much of Jesus, and to walk confidently on the path that he has for us. And so my my hope for you over the next couple months is that you come to understand the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is powerful, he's personal, he's present in our community, and he's present in your life. And my prayer for you is that in the same way you have received the ministry of the Holy Spirit at Christian Chapel, that you will begin to be filled with his power, filled with his confidence, and your life will become a platform where others begin to experience the transforming power of the Spirit in their lives as well. We've seen it happen over and over and over again, and it will continue to happen. Now, now over the next uh, couple months, we're just going to slowly kind of walk through what the scriptures teach us about the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to see that the scriptures teach us about the Holy Spirit's involvement in our salvation and teaches us that we are saved and we are secure. So as as Christians, we believe that salvation comes by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That your salvation is not something you can earn. It's not something you can work your way into. It's not a matter of being born into the right family or the right part of the world or the right church. But we all have chosen to sin. Our sin has separated us from God. And God's response was to send Jesus as the perfect and final sacrifice for our sins to raise him back to life. And now to offer us that same new life through Jesus Christ. And so when we place our faith in Jesus, we are saved. We move from death to life. We move from outside the kingdom to inside the kingdom. We move from those who have rejected God to those who've accepted God. But but what I want us to see this morning is how the scriptures teach us that that work of salvation is a work of the Holy Spirit from beginning to beginning to end. And so, so you might not have a lot of familiarity with the Holy Spirit. Maybe it makes you uncomfortable. I I don't know where you are, but what I want you to understand this morning is you don't have to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be nervous. In fact, even if you think you've never experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, what I want to show you today from the scriptures is whether you are currently following Jesus or not, the Holy Spirit is and always has been active in your life. And if you've said yes to Jesus, The Holy Spirit already has you. You are already part of his presence, part of his power everywhere that you go. And so so we'll start in John chapter 16 this morning. In John 16, Jesus is teaching his disciples about the Holy Spirit. It's as his time on earth is is winding down, his his years of ministry are coming to an end, his crucifixion and resurrection, his ascension are on the horizon. And so he's beginning to prepare the disciples with, hey, don't panic when I'm gone, but instead I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And so if you have a Bible, John chapter 16 is where we'll start this morning. Verse 7, it says, truly I tell you, it's Jesus speaking, truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. And so last week we we started with verse 7 and talked about how Jesus tells us that our life will be better after he leaves and he sends the Holy Spirit to us. What he's teaching the disciples and he's teaching us is that after his ascension, there will be a new experience of the Holy Spirit's power and presence for everyone who places their faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean the Holy Spirit was not active in the Old Testament. It doesn't mean the Holy Spirit was not active in the life and ministry of Jesus. But what it means is when Jesus returns to the Father, there will now become a more unique, personal, and powerful experience of the Spirit that will be required for every believer to become a believer. And Jesus tells us this by, by detailing the work of the Holy Spirit. He says one of the first things the Holy Spirit will do is he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin. He's basically telling us the Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of sin. That phrase that the NIV translates, prove the world to be in the wrong, is a, a Greek word that's a legal term. It's used 17 times in the New Testament. And in each occurrence, it's used with the idea of someone is either convicted of sin or their sin is exposed. And so what Jesus is telling us now, now this is different here. He's not talking about believers being convicted when they step outside of God's plan for their life. Instead, what Jesus says is the spirit will come and he will convict the world about sin. And he will prove that the world is wrong about righteousness and that the world is wrong about judgment. And so before we ever say yes to Jesus Christ, Before you ever had heard anything about Jesus, before you ever had a thought or an inclination to move towards him, what the scriptures teach is the Holy Spirit was already active in your life, helping you understand that there is a right way and there is a wrong way, that there is truth and there are lies, that there is light and that there is darkness. And so one of the first roles the Holy Spirit plays in the world is to come and not leave us in the ignorance of our sin. God's plan is never that we would wonder, never that we would stumble blindly through the darkness, trying to figure it out on our own, but he sends the Holy Spirit. And one of the Holy Spirit's first job is to prove the world that they're wrong about sin. Now what's, what's the world's primary approach to sin? What's that there isn't any? That you're just free to kind of do what you want, that you're free to make your own decisions. And as I make my decisions, not only can you not judge me, but you need to celebrate me and accept whatever I've decided is right and true for me. But Jesus is telling us the spirit will come and he will tell the world you're wrong about sin. You're wrong about how you become righteous and you're wrong about what final judgment will be. Now, now we know if we've read the scriptures that, that the Holy Spirit in this revelation is proving that we're sinners in need of a Savior, that Jesus is our only source of righteousness, and Jesus is our only escape from judgment. But before we get to those realizations, the first realization the Spirit comes and, and works in our lives is, is that just things are not as they should be. If you think back to before you became a follower of Jesus, it's probably uh, it's pretty likely that there's a portion of your story that goes something to the effect of, I was searching for joy, I was searching for meaning, I was searching for significance. And sometimes we chase it in kind of uh, just absolute freedom and chasing after every pleasure and every desire into whatever dark holes that takes us, whatever forms of, of addiction or self-harm it leads us to. And we, sometimes we bottom out and we discover there's nothing there. For others of us, it was, I was trying to climb and succeed as high as I could, convinced that through the accumulation of wealth, of fame, of respect, of admiration, at one point my soul would finally be satisfied. And yet what you found is the same thing that every man and every woman has ever found, that outside of Christ you will find no eternal significance, you will find no lasting meaning, and you will find no permanent joy or rest. Your soul will be endlessly on the lookout for the next thing that will perfectly and finally help you and bring you peace, but you'll never find it outside of Christ. And this is because the Holy Spirit is active in your life. The Holy Spirit will not allow men and women to find peace, meaning, joy, significance, or rest outside of Jesus Christ. Right, this, is, this is why, I mean, as a, as a parent, as a pastor, for myself, one of, one of the prayers that I have prayed over and over and over again is, Lord, if I ever reject you, make me miserable in my sin. Like, don't let me find any joy. Don't let me find any pleasure in it. When I'm praying for my kids, it's, Lord, I want them to follow you and I want them to know you. But if they choose not to, if they choose other paths, don't let them find any joy down those avenues. Now, I'm I'm not praying for harm to befall my kids. When I pray that for people at Christian Chapel, Lord, if they walk away from you, don't let them find any joy. Don't let them find any significance. I'm not praying that, that terrible things happen to you. All I'm praying is that no matter where you look, you will not find peace. You will not find meaning. You will not find lasting joy because those things are never meant to satisfy you. And this is one of the first works of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He comes and he tells the world, he tells us, you're wrong about sin. There is right and there is wrong. There is a narrow road that leads to life, and there is a wide path that leads to destruction. There is light, and there is darkness. There is a God who sits on the throne, who created all things and has a plan for all things, and there is a real enemy who comes to distort and destroy every good and beautiful thing that God has made. And so we need to welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit in proving us wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so if you feel in your heart today, that sense of uneasiness, that sense of no matter where I look, I can't find what I'm looking for. I can't experience the joy that I long for. Maybe that's the work of the Holy Spirit trying to redirect your vision in a different direction. And what Jesus tells us is when the Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of sin, when he comes to prove that the world is wrong, it is not to condemn the world it is not to shame people. It's not to make us feel farther from him, but instead the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin so that we are ready to see the desperate state of our heart and the helpless nature of our situation and begin to ask if everything I'm doing isn't working, is there another way? And then Jesus tells us it's into this space that the Holy Spirit comes. And as he convicts of sin, he begins to reveal Jesus as our Savior. So if you skip down in John chapter 16, down to verse 13. Jesus tells us, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me. Because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So what's Jesus saying? He's telling us the Holy Spirit convicts, and then the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus as our Savior. So again, when the Spirit brings conviction, when he doesn't let you find any rest in your sin, when he doesn't let you find any joy in your destruction, it's not to ruin your life, it's to save your life. And what he's trying to do is turn your eyes off of your sin and toward your Savior. Jesus tells us in John six or 16, verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in to all truth. Now, that is not just the truth about the way the world works. It's not just the things that are true and best for your job or your marriage or your parenting. But the, the first truth the spirit comes to reveal is Jesus himself as the way, the truth, and the life. He comes to tell us that no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes to tell us that it's through Jesus Christ that the perfect and final sacrifice has been made, that there is no work left to be done on our behalf. There is only new life to be received. It's the Holy Spirit who comes and tells us that Jesus is the gate into God's kingdom and we will only enter through him. It's the Holy Spirit who comes and tells us there is a narrow path that leads to life and a few will find it and you. You are one of those few. It's the Holy Spirit who comes and affirms to you that if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The Holy Spirit convicts to lead to salvation. He highlights what is wrong to highlight what is right. And so if you're a Christian this morning, the reason you're a Christian is not primarily because of your grandma or your grandpa. It's not because of the pastor or the Sunday school teacher. It's not the friend or the coworker who witnessed to you. You're a Christian because you were created by God, the father, you have been saved by the son, and you have been brought into relationship through the power and the presence of the Holy spirit. There is no such thing as a follower of Jesus Christ who does not walk with the Holy spirit. Now, as we get into the work of the Spirit in the the coming months, what we'll see is there's some very supernatural works of the Holy Spirit. There are some things that really stretch us, especially with our kind of anti-supernatural culture in the world in which we've been raised. And because of that, sometimes we can think, I'm not really a Holy Spirit kind of Christian. I'm a father and son kind of Christian, right? Those make sense. The Holy Spirit's a little more weird. But what I want you to understand this morning is if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And in fact, you're only a Christian because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Before you had given a single thought towards Jesus Christ before you had even ever heard about a sinner's prayer or been offered an opportunity to say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit was actively pursuing you. He was the one who would not let you find satisfaction in your old way of life. He was the one that began to turn your heart towards the idea that maybe there is something else. He is the one that caused you to lift your eyes up and look outside of yourself. Your relationship with Jesus Christ from beginning to end is initiated, sustained, and will be culminated by the Holy Spirit. To be a Christian is to be full of the Holy Spirit. And so so I would encourage you, if you have friends or family members that you are praying for, that they are currently outside of the kingdom. They are not walking in relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to pray that they will experience the Father's love. And we want to pray that they will experience salvation through Jesus Christ. But we also want to pray that they will become aware of the Spirit who's been pursuing them their entire life. When you're praying for salvation, when you're praying for God's kingdom to come, you're praying for the release of the Holy Spirit in the life of every man, woman, and child. One of the the greatest gifts that God gives us as followers of Jesus is the opportunity to put words to the longings that he's already placed in the hearts of men and women and teenagers and children who don't know him. When you share your faith with someone else, you are never going to share it with somebody that the Spirit has not already been pursuing. When you begin to talk about Jesus, they might not have language to put to it, but they already have had longings in their hearts that the Spirit has been planting and working. And so it's it's our privilege, not just to receive Jesus as our Savior, but to help others have the same experience that we have had as well. And this is what it means for the Spirit to lead us into all truth. That we will experience Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. That we will understand there is no one that comes to the Father except through him. And then we will not only embrace that, but we will now make it our life's mission to share that good news with as many other people as we can. And we'll share it with confidence, knowing that the Spirit has already gone before us. That he is already working, leading and drawing our coworkers, our classmates, our neighbors, our family members, our friends to him, and now we just get to go and do for others what has already been done for us. And that then once we kind of walk into that new salvation, the, the last thing we'll look at this morning is that the Holy Spirit makes us secure in our salvation. I don't know. Have, have any of you uh, heard or read anything about imposter syndrome? Anybody? Okay, so it's, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a syndrome where you feel like an imposter. So uh, not, not a real, a real uh, uh, ton of thought goes into trying to figure out what it means, but you've probably experienced it. I know I've experienced it in several areas of my life. It's, it's a basic idea of you achieve some level of success... And then you immediately begin to believe that you're a fraud and it's only a matter of time before you're exposed and you fail and you bring shame on yourself and embarrassment to your family and all these other sorts of things. So uh, perhaps you've, you've had this maybe maybe in school, uh, maybe you, you know, you're kind of going through junior high, high school and college was always on the horizon and everyone else was telling you, hey, you can do it. And, and you felt like maybe God was calling you to certain fields or certain activities. And, and then you get to college and you get in the degree program and maybe you even got the scholarships and you're taking the classes. And somewhere in that first semester of your freshman year, you're overwhelmed with this thought of, I don't belong here. Everybody else seems to know what they're doing. They seem to have it together they seem to like, they know how to do their laundry. Uh, they know how to make their food. They know how like, they're not homesick. They know they're not overwhelmed in the class. They seem to understand what the professor is actually saying. I feel like they're speaking in another language. And at some point in there, maybe it's your freshman year, maybe your junior, your senior, somewhere in there in that college journey, at some point, most of us feel like imposters. And we feel like it is just a matter of time before everybody figures out, I got no idea what I'm doing. It's just a matter of time before they figure out when I sit down to write the essay, I just make stuff up and I pray the professor's busy when he grades it. Right, it's just a matter of time. Like you, you just know there's a day coming where you will be exposed. It might be a speech. It might be a project. It might be, and no matter, it doesn't matter what your grades say. It doesn't matter what your peers say. It doesn't matter what your professors say. Those insecurities are there and they get louder and louder. Or maybe, maybe you've experienced it in your job. So you, you're out of high school, you're out of college, whatever, you enter into your, your professional field, whatever that might be, and maybe you start the business, maybe you get the promotion, maybe you get the job that others were longing for, and you, kinda, you slide right into it, and, and others are affirming you, and they're celebrating with you, but then you have that day, and we've all had that day. I mean, I remember 17 years ago coming to Christian Chapel as a youth pastor. I was 23 years old, and I'd went through the process, and I had the education, and I'd done the ministerial credentials, and I'd been interviewed here, and it had been universally affirmed. Yes, this is the job you should have. And I remember the first time a parent came to me and said, I'm having problems with my kids. Can you help me? And I thought, no, I I can't actually. Do you know I'm 23? Your kid is 18. Like, I... You should tell me what to do. I need help. Actually, I'm married. Do you have any advice? You know, it was just like, I, like so many times just feeling like, I remember that the first time that that I was told like, Hey, Chris, will you lead the Lord's prayer on a Sunday morning? I was like the Lord's prayer. I went to seminary. I did not. uh, Can you print that for me? Like just convinced, like just absolute fear in all of these places. And you've had it in your job where you're just convinced. Like I got the job, I got the title, I got the paycheck, I got the office, I got the position. I started the company, but I know it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. till I'm exposed as a fraud. It's just a matter of time till I fail spectacularly. It's just a matter of time before everything I know is true about me. Everybody else begins to say is true about me as well. Or maybe, maybe you've had that when you got married. Right? And, and you, you go through the engagement process, you have the wedding and, and everybody's calling you husband and wife and they're celebrating you and they're so excited. And, you know, within three weeks, they're asking how long till you have kids and all of these kinds of questions and, and you're excited too. But then there's, there's this voice inside that's like, yeah, I don't know if this is going to last. I don't know if you're actually husband material. I don't know if you're actually wife material. I don't know if you guys are an in it till the end kind of couple. You just need to be careful. Don't make too big of statements. Don't make too big a deal. Try to fly under the radar. It's just a matter of time. Or The, the one place that I'm, I'm pretty confident everybody experiences this is if God blesses you with children at some point in life. Right? Whether through birth or adoption or foster care, there comes that comes that moment with every parent. Where maybe you're welcoming that foster child into your home, maybe it's it's the day the adoption is finalized, maybe it's the day for, for Angie and I, I remember distinctly with all three of our kids holding them in the hospital while Angie was sleeping in the bed and looking at them and thinking, What have we done? Like we we have to keep them alive. Who's gonna keep me alive? Who's going to help me? And just that like overwhelming feeling. And, and we've been parents for, for going on 18 years now. And, and I can tell you, it hasn't went away. This summer, I was, I was driving with one of my kids on a road trip. And, and we were maybe six or eight hours. It was a place we'd never been before. And, and I don't know if you've had this experience as a parent, but we're about halfway into the trip. And it just kind of hit me of like, I am totally responsible for this person's life. They have no idea where we're going. They're totally broke, and if we get in trouble, they can't help in any way, right? They're just like, I am, I'm 100%. This is all on me. I got to get us there. If there's a problem, I got to solve it. Angie was taking our other kids to a different location, and it was just this overwhelming feeling of like, we are real adults, and we really don't know what we're doing. Like, who's, who's parenting us? Who's making sure we brushed our teeth? Who's asking us if we've had dinner? Who's that, you know, just that... That moment, and what is it? It's just that imposter syndrome that just, it chirps, it chirps, it chirps in all of these different areas. And if it happens in school and it happens at work and it happens in your marriage and it happens in your friendships and it happens in your family and it happens in parenting and these insecurities, wherever they are, they seem to come up again and again and again. Then doesn't it make sense that one of the primary attacks of the enemy against your salvation would be to convince you, you are eternally insecure in your relationship with the Lord. And unfortunately for some of us, maybe we grew up in church environments where we were affirmed that, yes, indeed, you are terrible people and you are eternally insecure. That God is maybe kind of, sort of going to let you in at the end if you prayed the prayer at just the right moment. Anybody ever been in a, in a church service where, where there was some altar call given to the effect of like, if you walked out the door tonight and got hit by a car... Is there any unconfessed sin in your life that would separate you from the Father for all eternity? Anybody? Yeah, anybody? No, just me? Okay. I mean, I remember hearing that as a teenager and being like, Unconfessed sin? Of course there's unconfessed sin. Like, I've been here 30 minutes. I probably lusted, lied, and cheated on something in the time I've been sitting in this room. I'm a 17-year-old boy. Of course there's unconfessed sin. I yelled at my mom this morning. I drove off and left my sister in the driveway. I did, like, anything I could do, I had done, and and I walked around with this eternal insecurity. Like, if I didn't pray it at just the right moment. Right? And even still, I mean, years removed from those situations, there are still times where that thing will come back and attack again of, hey, you know, maybe you're not a... Se- you went to a Waka concert. You might not be as secure as you think you are. <laughs> you're a pastor. What's wrong with you? You should have walked out. You should have had a sign or something. Like, that's what Christians do, you know? And, and you're just... You, you're attacked over and over and over again. And, and sometimes it's in really serious ways. Sometimes enemies coming and telling you, like, hey... I, I know about the temptations, I know about the addictions, I know about the secret sins you're not talking to anyone about, I know about the trauma from your childhood, I know about the first marriage, I know about what really happens at work, I know about what you're watching, I know about how you talk when no one else is around, and, and he begins to use all of these insecurities as launching points to tell you, you don't belong. You are not a son or daughter of God. It doesn't matter if you prayed the prayer. It doesn't matter if you're in church. It doesn't matter if you confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus is Lord. You didn't honor him a thousand percent every second of every day and he doesn't want anything to do with you anymore. And he just comes with these these constant barrage of you're not good enough. You're not holy enough. You're not disciplined enough. God isn't pleased with you. The church doesn't want you. No one else struggles like you do. And into that space, the Holy Spirit speaks, and he comes with a resounding voice to remind us, you belong to the Father. You are his sons and daughters. He sees all of you in every aspect of your life, and he has chosen you, he has called you, and he has saved you. He didn't choose you because of your righteousness, he chose you because of his. He didn't choose you based off of your judgment, he chose you based off of his. In fact, the Apostle Paul puts it to us this way in Romans chapter 8. He says, The Spirit Himself testifies with our Spirit that we are God's children. So, how does the Holy Spirit work in salvation? He convicts us of sin, He elevates Jesus as our Savior. And then when we confess with our mouth, when we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we are saved. And then the Spirit comes to assure us that our salvation is secure. Think of it this way. The Holy Spirit is your internal preacher declaring the truth of God to you about who you are and what you've experienced. I mean, have you ever thought how helpful that would be? Like, there, there are some pastors that, that I listen to on a regular basis. There are some pastors who serve as mentors in my life. And, and especially those that I walk in relationship with, I can tell you, I've, I've never made a bad decision in their presence. Right? Because, you know, like, I've never lost my temper with my wife in front of one of my mentors. I've never—well, no, that's not—I was going to say, I've never yelled at my kids, but that's not true. That, <laughs> I mean, even they are limited in their, their effect, but you know, i just never, the, the things that get us in trouble, the things that get you in trouble, if, if your, your mentor, your pastor, your preacher was next to you, you're probably not going to do those things. You're not going to engage in those things. And even more than that, if you're believing lies about who you are, if, if that, like, if I could go with you to work and you would turn to me at one point in the day and be like, Chris, I feel worthless. I would tell you, you're not worthless. You're a son. You're a daughter of God. Like, God sent Jesus to earth from you. How could you ever be worthless? If you turn to me and said, I don't believe God has a plan for my life, I tell you, of course, He has a plan for your life. God is with you. He is for you. He sent His Spirit to live in you. If you turn and said, I don't have any gifts. I don't have any abilities. I don't belong in community, I would combat every single one of those with you. And what Paul is telling us is this is what the Holy Spirit does He testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And so, into every insecurity, He He doesn't just combat it. He destroys it by affirming you are God's children. You do belong. You have been chosen. You have been called. You have been loved. You are secure. He didn't bring you this far to let you go, but you are saved. You are secure. You are not going anywhere. This is where you belong. And so if you find yourself this morning feeling like I've experienced Jesus, I've received him as my savior, and yet I always feel like I'm just a, I'm kind of on the edges of the community. I'm on the edges of the kingdom, that I'm teetering on the edge of getting kicked out all of the time. My encouragement to you is to invite the Holy Spirit to come and to begin to preach the truth to your heart and mind about who you are, about how Jesus sees you, and about what God has done for you. Because this is the role of the Holy Spirit, to, to testify, to bear witness to tell you about what he has seen in Jesus and in your life and how those two things go together. The role of the Holy Spirit in salvation is to convict us of sin, to elevate Jesus as our Savior, to assure us of our salvation, which means that the two words that should describe every person who places their faith in Jesus Christ is saved and secure. This is who I am and this is who you are. It doesn't mean you're going to get everything right. It doesn't mean you're going to be the the most spiritually disciplined person in the world. It doesn't mean you're never going to miss a day on your Bible reading plan. It doesn't mean you're never going to have to ask for forgiveness again. But what it means is you are eternally secure in your relationship with the Lord. And it's not your own decision that tells you that, but it's the Holy Spirit who tells you that every single day. Who tells you you are the son and you are the daughter of God. You have been brought in and you have been welcomed in. And God sees you and he knows every one of your frailties. He knows every one of your failings. He knows all the places where you're tempted. He knows the battles you've been fighting for years or decades. And into that space, he still speaks his words of you belong to me. And he speaks them through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. See, it's not on you, it's not on me to remember it all, it's not on us to believe it all. It's on us to just invite the Holy Spirit of, will you come and remind me of who I am? Will you come remind me of what Jesus has done? And will you come help me find my saved and secure identity in you? Will you stand with me? I wanna pray for you and the band's gonna come and lead us in a final song this morning. Jesus, we come today thankful for your work of salvation. We thank you that while we were still sinners, you died for us. You saw us while we were far off and you sent your Holy Spirit to draw us back to yourself. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for your conviction. And if there are areas in our life this morning where we need to embrace it and receive it, we we give you freedom will you come and speak words of truth and life to us? Will you reveal the spaces where we have bought into the lies of the world about sin and righteousness and judgment? And Holy Spirit, as you show us the difference between light and darkness, will you elevate Jesus as our savior? I pray if there are those in the room or online with us who've never made that decision to surrender their lives to you, Today, Lord, may they hear your invitation to take their place in your kingdom. May they confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised you from the dead. And today, Lord, may they receive the assurance of their salvation. And Holy Spirit, I pray for those in the room who who like me have surrendered their lives to you. And yet we still face those attacks on our identity. We still hear the lies of the enemy that we're not good enough, that we're not holy enough, that we're not disciplined enough, that we fail too often, that we can't be trusted. Lord, into all of those areas, we're inviting your Holy Spirit to come and testify to our spirit that we are God's children. We belong to you. And it's not through our own effort, but it's through our acceptance of Jesus Christ. So Holy Spirit, will you come and tell us the truth about Jesus today? Come and tell us the truth about ourselves. Come and show us that that we didn't earn our way in, but we've been wholly accepted. And from that position of security, we begin to bring life and confidence. Will you begin to fill us with hope and peace and joy? Will we fully take our place in a community of others who have been brought together as God's children? Holy Spirit, we invite your ministry into our lives. We thank you that you have revealed Jesus to us. We thank you that you have convicted us of sin. We thank you that you are assuring us of our salvation. And we ask that your presence would continue to lead us and guide us would go before us in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.